0: From the beautiful Pacific Northwest, across the nation, and around the world, you are about to finally learn how to lose weight joyfully. It's time to Get Wasted with Renee, live with Renee Steelman on TalkZone.com. Hi, hi, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope that I am finding all of you plant-based, positive, and I can't remember the other thing that I usually say in the morning. That's that kind of day. Anyway, hey, I'm having a great day in spite of the fact that it's been a little bit busy this morning, but thats uh, I always like to start my day out like that. It gets the blood moving, right? And I'm excited to talk with you today. You know, it's almost the end of January. Many of you have, uh, probably already thrown your resolutions out the door and you're frustrated and you can't believe you did it again and you're thinking that you thought that 2015 was going to be the year that you were going to really make some changes in your life and, and you're just feeling a little bit down and I am hoping that you will Feel better about yourself and better about your resolutions after we've completed our hour together today. Um, I have as my guest today, uh, Debbie Kay, and she's going to be talking with me about eating a plant-based diet and how she got started. And I hope that some of the things that we say will touch you and help you to get back on track and to remember that, you know, life is a journey. And it isn't a 30-day challenge. It isn't a, I've got two months to get into a bikini. That's not what life is all about. And really, we need to look at New Year's resolutions differently. We need to look at uh feeding our bodies differently rather than losing weight um uh getting into a certain size we need to start looking at how we can be the best that we can be how we can get off of medications how we can be healthy and live to not only be uh an a uh, uh, you know uh, an older person but to have a a, a happy life as an older person. You know, it's one thing to get to be 95 years old. It's, um, another thing to be 95 years old and bedridden. So, um, you know, our goal is to help you transition to eating a plant-based diet and, and, and helping you to find a reason in your life to do that and not have it just be for, um, for vanity's sake. So I'm going to invite Debbie to join me so that we can get our conversation going. Uh, Debbie, are you there? Yes, good morning. Yay, good morning. And I'm so glad that you are able to join me this morning. Um, I met Debbie, uh, I, I'd heard a lot about her, and we've communicated uh, via the wonderful technology that's out there. But I actually had the opportunity to meet her last week. And I have to say, Again, I am so impressed with your energy, your vitality, uh, your attitude. I mean, everything about, about you says so much about eating a plant-based diet. And I, what I especially loved about you is your story of your grandfather. And you mentioned that your grandfather had a deli in Ohio. Are you from Ohio?
1: Yes, I was born in Lakewood, Ohio, but we moved to California when I was about three years old. He sold the deli, and he bought a diner in Van Nuys.
0: Oh, and okay.
1: He liked his hamburgers and his bacon and his eggs. And one of the – he was also diabetic. And one of the um, – I mentioned this, his secret sauce was that gel that comes around, that baked ham. He would keep on the corner of his grill all melted, and he would – Lather that on a burger or a sandwich before it went out the window. Oh my good, I'm sure it wasn't any good for him. It was
0: pure fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's so funny. So people would love his hamburgers, but what they didn't realize is the secret sauce was that gel that came off of the ham. That's hilarious. Yeah. And now-
1: he died of heart disease uh, related to diabetes, um... Probably, I think, uh, between 55 and 60. I'm, he was younger than I am now. Wow. And the vegetarians bought the restaurant. And that was in 1969, and my parents were saying, I was 11, and my parents were saying, oh, my goodness, the silly hippies bought the place. And I went there, and I saw their murals that said, you know, eat plants, not animals. And I thought, now, this looks really neat. And I think that might have started my journey somehow. <laughs>
0: Really? So so some hippies bought uh, Grandpa's Diner, huh?
1: Yes, and turned it into a vegetarian restaurant. Oh,
0: you know? that's hilarious. And, you, yes. and so that's funny that it was almost like a subliminal type of a message uh-huh. that you got at the age of 11. It's like, huh, there must be something to this. Did you ever go back and eat there? Uh, no, I
1: didn't go back and eat there. Um, I went a few years ago, and it turns out it, it's called Grandma's Thai Kitchen now, but um, I have incorporated vegetarian food into my life through the 70s and the 80s, and when my children were little. But it wasn't until like 2009 that I went strict vegan.
0: Okay. Now, you know, that's interesting because even though I knew the difference between a vegetarian and what – when people call themselves a vegan, um, I knew that the difference was, you know, that vegetarians ate uh, dairy products and eggs and things like that, Um, but I didn't realize how many people – uh, lived like you say for so many years as a vegetarian, and and now really it's only been the last what, what would you say maybe fifteen years that people are starting to realize the health impact of giving up the dairy and the eggs and things. Is that what made you you and your husband make that final jump?
1: Well, I, I think it was two thousand five. We had we when on one of those uh, mad cow scares was going on in Canada. We decided, oh. About the industry and the the meat and the chicken and how they were raised and taken care of, and we decided, okay, we're done with this. We're not going to take any chances with our bodies. And I've also been trying to avoid diabetes. I am the only one of five siblings that does not have diabetes. That's amazing. My grandmother, my mother, and her sister both have diabetes, and we've all been told that that's kind of you know if your family has it, you're prone to it. Doesn't mean you're going to get it but you are prone to it. And so I decided, well, we're going to go straight vegetarian. And I love to cook, and I started getting bored. I couldn't go in the kitchen and just whip up something out of nothing. Um, So my husband found an immersion-style chef training school for vegan cooking. And I had never thought about giving up eggs and dairy, and I thought, well, I'm just going to go take this class, and I'm going to apply what this man's going to teach me to what I want to cook and make my life more interesting. Well, after the second day, I was turned on, and I have never gone back. I couldn't believe I could make cookies and pies and cakes without eggs or without milk, and um, I could make cheeses with nuts. And I have never turned back, and I've gone on it full force ever since.
0: You know, that's really interesting, um, Deb, that you say that because – When I hear people say that they were vegan for a year or oh I tried that for six months but I got bored or I just, you know, couldn't give up my cheese or something like that, I think what you said about getting bored and about really not knowing even how to cook without the ingredients that we were, that we grew up on and this kind of thing. I think that's the secret because when you look at other countries who, who culturally do not use a lot of meat or a lot of dairy and things like that, the secret to their dishes are the spices and the herbs and the things that they use. And, you know, as Americans, we you know, we just love going to a Indian restaurant or a Lebanese restaurant and uh even a Chinese restaurant or all of the different cultures. We go to these restaurants and we eat these foods and then when we go home we're you know, we're like, Well if I was to make that or, or I don't know how to cook uh plant based because I, I get bored with broccoli or whatever and we don't remember that the reason why we loved those cultural dishes was were the spices. That were in it, and they were
1: homemade with fresh ingredients.
0: Yes, you know, something
1: we lost. I mean, I remember even my grandmother who cooked from scratch and taught me most of what I know. She embraced the cake mix. She embraced the oh my gosh, we're gonna just add water for this. And I think a long time we forgot how to cook.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we did. We certainly did. Listen, let, oh. let me take a little break right here, Deb. And that is a perfect subject to come back and talk about because, um, we really, really have forgotten how to cook without the, the little box on our countertop. So let's take a little break, Deb, and we'll come back and talk about that. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi. Thanks so much for coming back. When we left, um, I was talking with Debbie K. She is a uh, a fusion instructor in uh, Washington State and teaches many cooking classes. And we were talking about how. Even our mothers, uh, those of us that were born in the 50s, our mothers were introduced to the boxes. And soon, which I totally understand, our mothers and our grandmothers turned to instant mixes to prepare our foods. And, Debbie, you had just started to talk about how that had affected your life. Well, sure. I
1: mean, my grandmother taught me how to make, um, for instance, a cake from scratch. But so I, I remember asking my mother, how do I make a cake from scratch? And she said, oh, it's very, very difficult. Just go ahead and get a Dunkin' Iron box." You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I don't know if to, you... So, go ahead.
1: Even though they want to um, eat more healthy, they want to add more vegetables to their life. They're not exactly sure how to go about it. Um, where right. they're used to have that meat as the star on their plate. Um, right. I remember exactly. when I first thought into this, I kind of laughed because... We were taught, you know, when you go to work, you take something out of the freezer for dinner and put it on the counter. And I remember going to work one day and looking at my stove, and since all my eating has changed, my stove has become a soaking station where (sighs) I soak beans in the morning before I go to work or I'm soaking nuts that I'm going to take care of. So, you know, your whole life kind of changes. And then getting some training is really key to it. Um, you don't want to go out and buy $300 worth of vegetables and think you're going to change because you will get bored and you'll put it down and end up in the fast food anyway. There are organizations that I know you found, Renee, um, like Northwest Veg. And their primary purpose is to help people learn about um, transitioning to plant-based lifestyles.
0: Right. And Debbie, I'm glad you brought that up because you're absolutely right. It. I have experienced this myself before I found the get wasted program which is the program that I'm associated with before I found that program I would do exactly what you said go to the produce section uh get a lot of vegetables thinking that I'm going to make up some salad because that's what people think of when they think of eating a plant-based diet they think of a green huh. salad and 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 then it I just threw it away I just threw it away I I didn't have a clue Besides a toss salad, I didn't know what else. I mean, I knew I could bake a potato, but, you know, um, like you say, those of us that are my age, we've already gone through the era of being told that, you know, potatoes were practically poison. Oh, don't eat yeah. a white potato, you'll die, you know. So I was I stuck. i for you. But go ahead, say that again. It turns out it's one of the most healthy things you can eat. Exactly talk a little bit about how you uh, how you have turned your love into instructing the community on how to transition how, do, how did you go about that and tell us what you
1: well, do I have, I have a lot of restaurant history in my life being raised in the restaurant business I grew to love it. It's actually kind of a sickness more than a love you know <laughs> and I have been, I'm about been working as an accountant for about 25 years. Getting ready to retire, I want another business. And, you know, I I hesitate having a restaurant, and I started doing a lot of training. I trained with Mark Reinfeld, who wrote five books, uh, the World, World Vegan Fusion Cuisine and 30-Minute Vegan Series, and Chef Al Chase, um, his, his his Institute of Culinary Awakening. And I started taking a lot of trainings, and both of them said, what are you doing sitting in an office? And Mark Reinfeld turns out he teaches people how to teach, how to do the demos. And so I started training with him, and I did his classes um, in the training. And then I've assisted him on some five-day trainings and ten-day immersion-style classes. And now I just started teaching them myself. Uh, the local nutrition store in town has a cafe, which is closed on Saturdays, and they invited me. Said, "Why don't you teach some classes here?" So I started doing some demonstration-style classes, and I don't know where this radio show goes, but if you know anything about the Pacific Northwest, Dallas County, Longview is not the place you think you would find more than five vegans or five people interested in eating this way. Right. My classes have been full ever since I started in 2011. Wow. And now... It's hands-on classes where 10 or 12 people will get together and you bring a knife and an apron and they break you into teams of stew and we all make a meal from appetizer to dessert. So you get exposed to a lot of different items and recipes. And I see all of the recipes are very versatile so you could change the main element. So if I was teaching you how to do basic broccoli bits, I also show you how you can just if you don't like broccoli, you can pick another vegetable or if there's something else in season, and then you can just change the seasoning a little bit, take that recipe and go on your way. So what I like to do, and I'm finding it a lot more fun than having a restaurant where you have one nice meal, I'm going to send you home with the ability to make 50 nice meals. Wow.
0: That that really is interesting. What What is the process that you go through to develop a recipe because I know you've had you've won you know quite a few awards for your chili and your chili cook off competitions and things what what is your um, uh process for developing a recipe
1: I just throw it in the pot and give it a try I, you know I don't really have a process I look up a lot of recipes I read cookbooks like they're novels and I guess I just have a lot of variations in my mind and I'm not afraid to try something Okay. Um, I'm a gardener. So say you have a zucchini. You take it home. You look at what you've got in the kitchen. Do I want to have an Italian flavor? Well, let's just start sauteing that zucchini and throw in a little basil. Throw in a little little oregano, maybe a little tamari, and see how it tastes to you. Um, I, let's see. When I first went vegan, I took my favorite... Betty Crocker cookbook that I got when I was seven years old and I just started veganizing the favorite recipes by just substituting the milk or substituting the egg, And that's kind of how I started getting into the habit of, wow, I can just eat this the same thing. Right. Um, For instance, for an example, my class coming up Saturday. Here's our menu. Spinach stuffed mushrooms, mixed greens with a versatile vinaigrette, creamy broccoli bisque, a vegan macaroni and cheese. This macaroni and cheese is so creamy. I could lie to you and tell you there's cheese and you believe me. Um, we have a millet loaf that's very good. Um, overnight chilled, you put that between some bread with a little Dijon mustard. It's just like our old-fashioned meatloaf cake. Wow. And chocolate cake with buttercream frosting. Now, that may not be the most healthy thing in the world, but it is a lot healthier than the chocolate cake and frosting we used to eat. And these are meat you can put in front of your family who are used to seeing the omnivore meals. And just say, try this. So what I'm trying to do is get it so that you can have your... I have a lot of students who say, oh, I love eating this way, but my family would never try this. Right. So taking meals that we're used to seeing in our lives and veganizing them, you can put them in front of anyone at a potluck
0: and hopefully they'll try it and like it too. (laughs) Well and you know what's funny about that is it's not you know we were talking earlier about um growing up lear- learning how to cook with the box foods and my friend was telling me my my daughter's um mother-in-law was telling me the other day that Um, and this woman loves to cook and she had five children and she always made, you know, homemade meals for her family. So she had the granddaughters over and she was telling me that she made some homemade macaroni and cheese. Now it wasn't dairy free, but it was her, you know, homemade recipe for uh, macaroni and cheese. Probably had two or three different cheeses in it. And one of my granddaughters said to her, um, I don't really like this. What you want to do, grandma, is go get that blue box. And she was like instructing her how to go and get the craft macaroni and cheese because that's where her taste buds. So even pe- when people say, well, my family won't eat this, what you want to say is, look, maybe you need to do a 10-step program for your family. Maybe you need to let the craft macaroni and cheese go and start out with a homemade macaroni and cheese and then transition to a dairy-free macaroni and cheese because – they're going to associate the taste of fresh ingredients and compare that to the taste of the amount of sodium and salt and And, and everything that's in the box.
1: And doing it slowly is a really good idea, and that's why there's wonderful products out there, like the sofurkies and the the fake meats and the the cheeses made with, with cashews and things like that. Those are great products to transition because they look and taste so much or close to What the conventional recipes were. Um, Right. It is true that my tastes have changed. I will think a cookie is very, very sweet, and some that I've made, and someone else will say, Hmm, this just needs a little more sugar. So, that is one thing to look forward to. If you are making this change, your tastes are going to change. Right. You are going to pick up a donut in the in the office, and all of a sudden you're going to say, Oh my gosh, this tastes too sweet, or you'll be able to taste the grease. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's a transition process.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And that's such a, exactly what you said is that people need to be forgiving for one thing, forgiving for themselves, understanding for themselves, and, and, and realize that for some people, maybe you're in a place in your life where making this transition is something you can do overnight. For me, because I had the get wasted recipes and because I didn't like to cook, I was able to make the overnight change because I had these tools but if people don't have the tools and 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 they're having to go to the bookstore or they're having to spend a lot of time online looking up recipes it is going to be a slow process and something like your cooking classes I think that gives people the power that they need and like tell me some of the reactions that you have from your cooking classes
1: And and well a lot of people are less afraid to try something new they're, right. You know, they'll be they're they're looking at a recipe and, and think that the ingredients look foreign, but maybe some are they're introduced to them a little bit more. And I lost my train of thought, but I was thinking of something about the transition there. Um, the Get Wasted program, having the shopping list and having the recipes laid out for you is excellent for somebody who's just starting it. Exactly. That is a really invaluable tool. Along the way through this, I've tried a few things like the Engine 2 Challenge, and one of the things I did love about it is they sent me recipes. They sent me a shopping list. I didn't have to do any thinking at all. Just go to store and get these. And some of these products, people will look at and say, oh, my gosh, it's more expensive to eat that way. Right. Well, maybe... Um, a package of organic raw sugar is $6, but it's going to cost, it's going to last you a really long time. It's right. You're not going to use much of it. Um, the wheat-free tamari, which is a wheat-free soy sauce, is $6 a bottle. But that bottle, and that's how I salt my food, um, that bottle will last months. Right. So you have some base, and isn't it, didn't you mention with the Get Wasted program, you've got a list of core kitchen ingredients you need to keep on end?
0: right yeah we give people a, a list to stock their pantry make sure they have staples that are um, you know dairy free and meat free in their pantry and and that reminds me Deb you mentioned something about how you know I remember myself as a young mom um, there was always always that nagging feeling that um, you know you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning you're you're running around getting your children uh, fed their breakfast and out the door but in the back of your mind you're Already thinking, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And what do I have in my freezer that I need to take out and put out on the counter um or in the refrigerator to thaw out? And that was always it was like this nagging thing that you woke up to every morning. And didn't haven't you found, like you say, haven't you found that knowing that you're you can whip up something with grains and legumes and plants just is like this weight has been lifted off your shoulders?
1: Okay. Oh. Sure, sure. And one of one of the tricks I did from the very beginning is I will pick, now I'll do it throughout the weekend. You can pick one day or a couple days, and you make some large meals ahead of time. So I'll take a big bowl, and I'll make a salad with at least 10 different vegetables in it and fruit. And I won't put any salad dressing on it. My base salad dressing is about half an avocado because that makes the salad oily. With a little lemon juice. Put that in the refrigerator. Then I make a pot of beans. Sometimes, you know, I'll just season them with salt and pepper and an onion, just so that I can use them later in the week with other spices. So I've got a um, a bowl of salad. I've got a bowl of beans in my refrigerator. By having those in there, I've got lunch and dinner for my husband and I for about three days in the refrigerator. At those times when you say, "Hmm, I need something to eat." Grab a tortilla, throw some beans in there, throw some salad in there, bang, you have a sandwich. Or you yeah. can take those out and hook up another little meal with them. So having some big things prepared and handy keeps you from eating the bad stuff. You've got the good stuff already ready. So that really lightens up the load. I don't really cook the whole meal until Thursday. On the right. weekends, I'll make a salad, a pot
0: of beans, an entree, and something sweet. And that gets us through sometimes three days. Right, exactly. And I, and also one of the things you said, Deb, was, um, you mentioned like having a treat of some kind in your cooking classes. You have, um, all of these things and one of the things that you will include will be a treat of chocolate cake or something like that. And Uh I, you know, yes, yesterday or Monday, I guess it was Monday, I was doing exactly what you're saying. I was doing some batch cooking. I made up a huge thing of soup and I've, I put away three containers in my freezer and then i have two containers left in my refrigerator that i'm going to eat off of all week long um uh-huh. but one of the other things that i made was a uh, like a it was a mango bar oh goodness i had this phone that rings um just on its own there's nobody there's never anybody on the other line it's it's very weird there's something wrong with the phone but anyway um and so i made this mango bar and it goes in the freezer and um and so but but the ingredients that went into that, you know, cashews, lemon juice, fresh mango. Um I'm trying to remember if it even had oh I think it had agave nectar or something in it. So yes, even though it has a sweetener in it. Every single thing that was in it had nutrients in it, and there were no preservatives. There were no artificial coloring in it. So yes, it's it's got a little bit of agave or something in it, but it also has um, nutrients in it. So I'm still feeding my body, even though I'm also feeding my um, sweet tooth. You know, right.
1: And then you're not feeling surprised about anything. Right. I've
0: got a right.
1: A recipe that I've been playing with lately. That's a lemon pudding. And are you ready? It's cauliflower. Oh, Oh, no way. Yes, you take a head of cauliflower, and I think a cup and a half of water, a couple tablespoons of sweetener of your choice, like soupy which is natural cane sugar, or maple syrup, and you simmer that until the cauliflower is tender, throw that in your blender with about a quarter cup of lemon juice, and it is the
0: creamiest lemon pudding you ever had, and it's cauliflower. Oh, my gosh, I have to get that recipe from you. My husband loves lemon. That's his favorite. Uh, uh, I love to play with my food. Yeah. Um, early on
1: through this, I, I learned a recipe with um, an avocado, a banana, about three tablespoons of cacao powder, three tablespoons of maple syrup, and a little cinnamon. You've got yourself some wonderful chocolate pudding that is feeding your body.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is about that is even though, yes, it has fat in it. And when people will say, well, I just read a study that said you need to have fat in your system. So I'm going to, you know, that's why I can't give up butter. It's very hard not to look at them like, hmm, you do know that plants have fat in it, right? You do know that nuts have fat in it. And those are the fats that your bodies need, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's interesting.
1: We have to overcome years and years and years of false advertising and wrong information too.
0: Right, exactly. And I think that it's a, a mistake, you know, I, I always tell tell my people that um, you know, when I hear something, I think I have a pretty good detection uh system where when I hear something sometimes things just don't sound right to me and when I hear people talk about you know uh, staying away from sugars or staying away from sweeteners I agree I mean I agree that you know we weigh too much sugar in this country I have no no qualms about that but babies you know breast milk is sweet and mm-hmm. fruit you know is sweet and our taste buds there is a sweet, you know, there are sweet taste buds, there are the savory taste buds. So to me, it's like there is a purpose to that. There is a reason why we're drawn to that. And we need to stop punishing ourselves for wanting to eat, you know, something with the bananas and something with the maple syrup in it or something like that. And and making ourselves feel like we're naughty or that we don't have any self-control or that we're bad people because we really would like a sweet dessert.
1: The bad part of the self-control is when we get into the processed sugar because we truly are addicted.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: Addictive substance like the cheese. If you want to test that, uh, go have a piece of candy or have a piece of cheese when you're not hungry or you're not even thinking about food. And I guarantee you within 20 minutes you will have another piece. Yeah. It's not us that's doing the bad. It's the processed food and how it reacts in our brain. Right. So we just quit beating ourselves up for this kind of thing.
0: We Um, really do. when
1: When we were talking about chaining over and buying all the vegetables, you know, I didn't go in my kitchen and throw out all my processed food right away. I just quit buying it. And there was one point, I think it was a whole... Year after I made this decision where I finally went into my kitchen and opened up the cupboards and said, okay, now I'm going to take care and throw out every little thing in here that's processed. Um, That's sort of like buying all the $300 worth of vegetables and not knowing what to do with it. You don't want to get rid of these things right away. Just quit buying the bad stuff.
0: Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. And you know what else I found, too, is... um, I'm, I have, now, Deb, you mentioned that you started, where were, where were your children, what age were your children when you and your husband decided to start really making this change over to eating totally plant based?
1: Oh, they were, my, my oldest was in the Marines already and my youngest was 15. Well, you know, my youngest is 20, excuse me, I don't know my math. (laughs) Um, Yeah. One of my children are really, that interested in what I'm doing or know why. Um, My old youngest son is 26 and lives in the basement, and I always have salad, and I always have beans, and I always have tortillas, and that young man will come in with a frozen burrito all the time. (laughs) My influence on them didn't work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's well, and that's dog. exactly right. You know, we have to remember that m- when my kids were growing up, I really made a huge effort to feed them um, nutritiously, and I didn't have a lot of um, – like I didn't ever buy processed cereals. I didn't have – you know, they didn't go out the door with, uh, you know, um, frosted flakes or something like mm-hmm. that um, in the morning. And what we – a custom that we have in our family is um, for Christmas – When the kids uh when my kids were little, uh part of their stockings right above their uh Christmas stockings would be a box of of, uh fruity junky cereal, you know, uh Lucky Charms or Frosted Flakes or you know, cocoa puffs or something like that. That was a treat that they got on Christmas morning. Um and now my kids have started that tradition and it's so fun because the rest of the year they never ate that. That was really considered fun food. And yeah, so you know little I'm things like that have gone, have gone, have, you know, become a tradition. But my kids you know, aren't vegan.
1: I never taught them how to, I never, we never put sugar on the cereal when they were small. Or we never put sugar on the oatmeal when they were small. We just put fruit in it. And so those kind of habits, they still have. Yes. But as far as, you know, I remember um, I asked my son, he was getting a pizza. And I said, well, tell him you want one, all vegetables, no cheese with red sauce. And I heard him say, yes, vegan." Or he said, "He said yes, they're crazy." And I said,
0: "We're vegan." He said, That's what said. <laughs> "Well, you do the best you can, right?" <laughs> but no, and you know, in our home, um, uh, we have established. You know, I don't want to be the, uh, you know, the vegan, you know, Nazis. I'm not going to, you know, criticize people that come to my home. I'm not going to make my home completely, you know, plant based. I only cook plant-based food, but if other people, if we're doing a potluck and other people want to bring in other stuff, I welcome it. They enjoy it. Everyone tries whatever I fix, and they usually are quite surprised. Um, but I think that's a great way of doing the transition. You don't want to ostracize yourself or 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 become the person that no one wants to hang out with because suddenly you're on this tangent, you know? You know, you
1: they say
0: you get more
1: flies with the gavi, right? You know what yeah. I mean?
0: But, uh, exactly, yeah. and you know, for me, I, I really did. Uh, you know, my my aha thing for for going plant based was my health, and mm-hmm. um, sometimes that's what it has to be. You know, President Clinton had a heart attack. I mean, he had no interest in eating plant based until he had a heart attack, and that was the change that he needed in his life. And so, everyone has it's it's a different process for everyone. And and then yours, yours was kind of health, wasn't it? It
1: was my first motivation, and there are three main reasons people go vegan, and that is for their health, the animals, and the environment. And I kind of think once you open one door, the others will open eventually. You know, in this journey, um, I've been a member of Northwest Veg for ten years, and they said, we're going to start this class called Master Vegetarian based on the Master Gardeners Program, want to try that. So I was a participation in the creation of that class, which has gone on now for 10 years. And in that process, I learned about how the animals are treated. I learned about the animal abuse. I learned about all the nasty pesticides and things like that that are fed to them and used on them. And um, so I think, like I said, we open one door and the others will come. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it when I learned that um, eating a meatless meal once a week will save more on the, for the planet environmentally than driving a fuel-efficient car for a whole week.
0: Right, That's exactly. Yeah,
1: yes, Yes. health was my first motivation, and now that I've learned about how the animals are treated and what's in them, there's no way I want to
0: Put that in my body. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what the the journey was for me as well. I I was um aware. I mean, I think, you know, we live in a a, a a an environment with a lot of social media, so it's hard to not be aware of some of the animal issues, but I definitely did not have my eyes opened completely to what um the big farm, you know, factories and big farm uh agriculture was doing and that was that was kind of a speechless jaw dropping yeah, moment I when i started I learning more about like, that
1: free range, free range chickens you know and we think we're mm-hmm. doing the right thing you get down to it and there's really no clear definition or no clear regulations and there is no such thing as a free range chicken <laughs> Exactly.
0: well let's take another break and when we come back Deb I want to talk more a little bit about that and how you know what we eat can can affect the environment and and, and other parts of our life. so let's take another break. Now it's time to get healthy and lose weight joyfully. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi, thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming back today. As my guest, I have Debbie K. Uh, Debbie K. is a of. Um, uh, a- Fusion, a vegan fusion instructor and she teaches many classes, uh, in her community and helps people to transition to eating a plant-based diet through education and demonstration, which I think is so important. And just kind of getting the word out by, by helping people to taste some amazing recipes that will convince them that eating a plant-based diet does not have to be boring. And when we left right before our break, we just started to talk about the environmental aspect of eating a plant-based diet. And I wanted to start out with a quote from um, T. T Colin Campbell in his latest book, Whole, a fascinating book. I mean, many of you have read the China study, uh, which was a huge eye-opener for a lot of people. And it actually was a a tool that has helped a lot of people transition to eating plant-based. Um, but his next book, Whole, really talks about the um how important it is to look at food in its its entirety. And we can't take one item out of a food. For example, you know, he'll talk about uh, strawberries, you know, the benefits of eating strawberries. And scientists or large corporations will take a, a vitamin that 's found in strawberries, and then they 'll try to extract that from the vitamin, put it into a pill form, and convince people that taking that vitamin is just as good as eating the strawberry when we know that that 's not true the, the The fruit itself is so complicated that many of us don't have a clue how they all work together in feeding our bodies. So there's a quote in here from Dr. Collins uh, Campbell's book, and, he's, and let me read it to you. It says, I begin, began this chapter with a quote attributed to Chief Seattle. Whatever we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. You may have come across it or some variation on it before. It's often evoked by environmentalists to, re- to remind us that we can't clear-cut our forests, pollute our water, and spew toxins into our air without ultimately harming ourselves. But what's less obvious is that the reverse is equally true. What we eat has a a huge impact on our environment. Specifically, our high consumption of animal-based foods contributes to environmental problems like soil loss, Groundwater contamination, deforestation, fossil fuel use, and depletion of of deep aquifers, and that's what we had started to talk about, Deb and I, because um, you know there's a lot of call to action out there for people trying to save the environment, um, but it's 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 almost humorous to see what they want us to do. Like you say, drive less, get a fuel-efficient car, and drive it through the nearest fast food place food place, and get your double Whopper king meat sandwich. So, yeah, Debbie, you just started to talk about that.
1: Well, you know, I, I enjoyed that book whole myself. You know, I, I, I'm a true Dr. Colin Campbell follower, and I like that quote that was in there. Um, here's a good example. It takes 2,000 gallons produce 1 of water to produce 1 pound of beef
0: right right yeah and then and the other thing that's frustrating is gosh what where did i see it this morning they were oh there were um on Facebook this morning, someone posted a picture of these two little children just squatted down on the ground and, and picking up in the mud little, little pieces of bread that were just leftovers, you know. And I believe these, these children were in, um, the, you know, Saudi, Iraq, that whole area. And, you know, we, we look at these, these, starvation, nutrition, all of these issues that are out there. And we were, you know, I look at people who are scratching their head trying to wonder how can we feed the people of the earth? You know, what can we do to to prevent starvation when we already know?
1: Yes. and In the United States alone, most of the grain that is grown, the soybeans, it's grown to feed the, the cattle to produce the one pound of beef.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, I was talking this morning to, um, uh, a friend of mine who is Vietnamese. And I was saying, you know what? You don't eat a lot of meat in your country, do you? And she said, no, no, no. We don't eat a lot of meat. We, you know, we eat mostly vegetables and rice and noodles and things. And, and I just thought, you know, we are so confused in this country when in reality, like, for example, you know, we've got the big game coming up this Sunday, and people are talking about their chicken wings and, you know, pulled pork and everything that we're going to have for our Super Bowl.
1: kale chips at our house.
0: What are you having?
1: We're going to have wonderful kale chips at our house.
0: Yes, and I have your recipe for those kale chips. I'm going to make those as well. But what I think is funny is we in America associate eating meat as manly. And, you know, you're not a man unless you're barbecuing and you're eating all this meat, when the reality is most men in, in every other country, you know, besides America, they, they meat is not the main staple of their diet.
1: Right. Well, we were taught a meal at all isn't a meal without that meat on the plate.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, I spent a weekend with a friend of mine in California this last year, and she's just been recently diagnosed with diabetes. And she spent a weekend with me, and I asked her to eat the way we did. And she said to me, well, I had no idea you could get full eating this way.
0: Wow. Another wonderful,
1: another wonderful statement that came out of her mouth, and she was very reluctant to try this. I had rented a house through Airbnb, and one of the rules was no animal products brought in the house, please, because it wasn't, you know, I um, do you call a compassionate vegan who's interested in the animals. Wow. My friend just flipped. It really it really scared her to not be able to have coffee creamer in there or something. And I I pointed out to her she could. But throughout the whole weekend, she's eating the way I do and eating how I'm cooking. And at the end of the weekend, she says to me, you know, every day, my blood work was just, my blood numbers was just great. And I got to tell you, (gasps) it's important because she had forgotten to take her medication the whole week also. Wow. Double
0: whammy
1: and... Now she's emailing me and asking about the plant-based, but sometimes you just got to put the cookie in their hand and say, here, try this.
0: That is amazing. I mean, just, and you know, the the co-founder of the Get Wasted program has a very similar story when she talks about how within three days of eating a completely plant-based diet, her blood work had changed. But to have someone who is testing their blood, not just daily, but often what, at least twice a day, um, I think she did it day. How many times a day?
1: I think she did it twice. yeah.
0: Yeah, twice a day. And to have her see her numbers change that rapidly, that's astonishing.
1: I think four days with me.
0: Wow. That's oh, a testimony. Wow. I don't understand why people don't see that and, and have the desire to make a change when you hear you know stories like that.
1: Now, I'm almost 60 years old, and I don't feel 60 years old. I know that I'm younger than my grandmother was at this age. And I go to the doctor for my, my checkup, and she'll say, or the dentist, and they'll say, any change in your medications? And I say, I have no medications. I don't take any medications. And you're always surprised.
0: Yeah. I know, and it's funny because I, I remember when I first turned 60, for some reason, I don't know, it was like everything I picked up or everything I saw on television, someone was making some comment about, and I, I remember watching this uh, television show and they said something like, um, uh, well, you know, there were some older people. I think they were 60, and I remember going, whoa, 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 what? You can't say that in the same sentence. 60 is not old. Stop saying that, you know. But there were two or three references like that. I swear the first week I turned 60, it was like, stop saying that. I do not. you know. And as you say, in your brain, I'm sorry, we're all going to be 18 for the rest of our life. We don't think of ourselves. But, yeah, I mean, I look at my own mother and my grandmother and her family comparing my lifestyle to their lifestyle. And it's like, well, I went for a run this morning. So, Mm -hmm. I don't, my, my grandmother was not doing that when she was 60, you know. Um, and that's really sad. You know, you mentioned your crispy kale, and I wanted to tell, I wanted to give everyone your recipe because it could not be any easier. I mean, it is one large bunch of curly leaf kale, two tablespoons olive oil, three tablespoons nutritional yeast, and a half a teaspoon of sea salt. Uh, Preheat the oven to 350 degrees. Use your hands to rip small pieces of the leaves off of the stems of the kale. Arrange them on a baking sheet in a single layer using two baking sheets if necessary. When the oven is ready, bake for 12 to 15 minutes or until your desired crispness is achieved. Remove from the oven and transfer the kale to a large mixing bowl. Drizzle with the olive oil, sprinkle with the nutritional yeast and sea salt, and toss gently with your hands until all the kale is covered. And, I mean, that is, it's amazing how good that tastes. And how easy
1: it is. Yes. How easy, how cheap it is, too. I mean, if you can, if you live somewhere where you can grow kale, you only have to plant it once. It will keep coming back every year. Or in the grocery store or the farmer's market, it's 2 to $3 for a bunch of it. And I'm looking at that recipe, too, and it says serve immediately
0: or store in an airtight container. There's rarely any to store at our house. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you hear people say, um, you know, especially women, you know, we have a lot of hormonal changes in our body. And so usually once a month you'll hear a woman say, I just want something salty. I just needed something salty. And it's like, there you go. How about kale? How about some kale chips? You cannot feel guilty eating kale chips.
1: You know, the salt we put on our food, and I've heard this from Dr. Campbell himself, The salt we put in our food is not what's killing us. No. The salt in the processed food. Yes. Another trick I've learned along the way is when you are cooking your food, don't salt it while you're cooking it because the salt will cook out of it and you'll end up putting more in it. Wait till your food is just about done, taste it, salt it then, and then we'll have just enough salt for you without having too much.
0: Yeah, almost every recipe, I've noticed almost every recipe with Get Wasted, the salt is added at the very end when everything is all done and you're about to serve it. And um, and I kind of, again, we, we have been told the, the deal with the salt and people are absolutely terrified of salt. And they don't realize that it's like, yeah, because of the amount of sodium that is added to the processed food, that is what's causing our health issues.
1: Right, and you know, here's a, here's another little, little hint. Okay, salt, lemon, sugar, and fat. All those four things are what make our food taste wonderful. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when I say lemon, I mean sort of a citrus. So you're cooking your food and you're not using a lot of these things until the end, adding just a touch of salt, a touch of lemon or vinegar, a touch of a fat like an oil or an avocado, and a touch of maybe maple syrup. Those kind of things, a little at a time at the end, are going to make us want to eat this food more without adding too much.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, this Deb, this has just been wonderful. I'm so glad you could join me today. Tell everyone, again, if they're interested in taking some of your cooking classes, how they can get a hold of you. Well, you can email me
1: at kdebbie25, e 25 at yahoo.com. You can find me on Facebook. My name is Deb K. in Kelso, Washington. I post everything I cook as well as links to my classes and lots of other information. And you can find uh, my classes and schedules on veganfusion.com. I am a certified
0: vegan fusion cooking instructor. Perfect. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that I found you as well through, as you mentioned, the Northwest Veg. Um, I also joined that organization and it's very, it's very important to surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, and, you know, it helps you if you're struggling or if you have questions or it's just another tool for learning to, to, you learn from other people and their experiences and what they've gone through. People too, because
1: every time I'm on a Northwest Veg event, it's all about food and friends and having good time.
0: <laughs> exactly, which is what life is all about, right? Yes, remember,
1: yeah. we're not once we shared a meal together.
0: Exactly. I love that. And we talked about that last week, the tribal part of eating and how important that is to, you know, get together with friends and family and enjoy a meal. So um, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed speaking with you. You have a great day up there in the beautiful Pacific Northwest uh, Longview area. And I will see you at the next event. Okay. Thanks, Renee. Okay. Bye-bye, Deb i 'm so glad you joined me today. I hope all of you uh, were as enlightened as I was listening to Deb. Um, she is just the happiest person her, her and her husband they uh, they were in charge of the potluck for the Northwest veg up in the uh, northern uh, part of Washington area and the effort that they went to to welcome everyone to uh, make sure that the food was displayed beautifully um, it was just amazing and um, happy people it's amazing when I go to these potlucks Uh, The Northwest Veg has potlucks throughout the entire Portland area. So they have one in Vancouver. They have one up in Longview. They have one in Portland. And they're usually held monthly. And people get together. They each bring a dish that has to be completely vegan, not just plant-based, but completely vegan, which means no honey and, um, of course, no dairy and no meat. And it's a great time to get together with like-minded people. Everyone brings um, amazing recipes and it's really fun to try different dishes they'll bring the dish and then they usually bring a recipe to go along with it um, so it's very fun so uh, if you're interested check check Northwest Veg it's a fun organization they have speakers that come in once a month so it's always an opportunity to learn I hope that you have learned something on today's show and you know what let's have lunch see you next week bye bye